Have you ever wondered what it would be like to live without a single shred of privacy? Well, we did, and that got us thinking about panopticons. Now, these are circular buildings where a single watchman can see every person inside, but those inside can't always tell when they're being observed. The concept was dreamed up by an 18th century British philosopher, and there were about a half dozen panopticon prisons built, mostly in Europe. Late last year, officials in Illinois closed a prison modeled on the panopticon design. It was known as the Roundhouse. It was a giant circular building with several hundred cells stacked four stories high and a large guard tower in the middle. The roundhouse was built nearly a century ago, about 30 miles from Chicago. It was chaotic, it was cockroach-infested, and it was deafening. It's akin to walking into a packed Roman Colosseum in the days of gladiators in the height of the action. This is Joseph Dole, an inmate at the Stateville Correction Center, which includes the roundhouse. He says it certainly achieved its purpose. Guys would not only have the guards watching them from the tower, but any number of the 200 or so other guys in cells across from them could be looking out of their cells into yours. Dole never served time in the roundhouse, or as inmates called it, the F-house, but he knows inmates who did. So we asked him to talk to them about what it was like. Here are some of his thoughts. While I have walked through F-house, I was never personally housed there. So I put this question to two classmates who I know have spent significant periods of time housed there. Raul Dorado, who spent many months in F-House, told me how there's no natural privacy in the roundhouse. The cell is completely illuminated. Not only the guards, but everyone can see every detail in your cell. It has a psychologically detrimental effect on your psyche. It feels like you are always being watched, especially during the most vulnerable moments of performing your bodily functions. Some level of privacy can be created by draping a sheet or blanket over the bars and casing the window in the back of the cell to block light coming in, but even then you question it and suspect that everyone can still see you. Moreover, hanging such a sheet is a disciplinary offense. Even if no one can see you, the damage is already done. The idea is inextricably lodged in your subconscious, making you not only your worst critic, but also your own warden. Jamal Bakker similarly informed me that the constant noise also worked to deprive guys of any type of privacy. Doors constantly being kicked, people yelling at the top of their lungs, roaches crawling all over the walls. There was no escaping it. I often felt confused and unable to focus. I struggled to concentrate on even the smallest task. I couldn't sleep well at all, and I'd often stay awake just to enjoy a moment of relative quiet during the night between 12 to 4 a.m. before the rampage of noise started again. Young women who were also part of a DePaul University inside-outside college course taught in the grounds of Stateville Correctional Center at the dilapidated school building were allowed to tour F House before it closed down. They were visibly shaken afterwards, a few of them were in tears. They related that one of the most disturbing aspects was that the first floor of 60 or so cells, which is where guys who were in disciplinary segregation were held, was just silhouettes of humans. They listened as a number of them kicked on cell doors while others screamed obscenities or yelled out either in pain or requesting assistance or simply for attention. They said it felt like being in a zoo or an insane asylum, and then they felt guilty for thinking so, 
knowing that many of them truly are mentally ill and are often pushed to such behavior by the combination of unconstitutional living conditions, mistreatment by staff, and a denial of adequate mental health treatment. Joseph Dole is currently serving a life without parole sentence at Stateville Correctional Center, a maximum security state prison for men in Crest Hill, Illinois. He's also the author of A Costly American Hatred. You know, listening to that piece about the Panopticon and thinking back to Joanne's interview with Amy Guida about the evolution of privacy law made me realize, you know, what a long expanse this concept covers. The Panopticon was invented by an Englishman, Jeremy Bentham, in the 18th century, and his idea was that this principle of surveillance would be the best way to cure people of an inclination toward crime. If if they knew that they were being watched all the time, they would become better people. Was that something that was kind of confined to this idea of a prison, Joanne, or is that something that would have been more widespread in the culture at the time? Well, it, it would have been more widespread, and I think we have to back away from the idea that surveillance is always a bad thing, right? I mean, we're, mm. we're talking about the panopticon being a prison and being a punishment. Right. But the fact of the matter is, in the late 18th century, there was a general assumption when you read works that discussed behavior and morality like Adam Smith's Theory of Moral Sentiments. Mm-hmm. They say over and over again, you should act in your life as though you are being watched. Mm -hmm. The great eye of society is always on you, or you should at least imagine it is, and that should be the source of your morality in a sense. So they aren't intending it as the greatest of all punishments. They were actually thinking about, about it as a moral corrective. Wow. And in the 19th century, following up on that tradition, police started turning very early on to new technologies of photography. You know, we, we know about the police lineup. Well, that was mm. a new technology mm-hmm. at one point. And the fingerprint, in some ways, is a very penetrating kind of invasion of your privacy. What have you touched? Mm. So, Nathan, I wonder, where, where are we today in this kind of narrative? Well, when I think about the great eye of society, I mean, that's undoubtedly the Internet, right? I mean, right. it's used to basically you know, traffic in all kinds of images and video, and there's all manner of ways in which our personal kind of web traffic is tracked by virtue of plugging into, you know, this network. And of course, you know, in thinking about the Amy Guida interview and the story about a man having a heart attack on the street and the kinds of moral questions that raise, it immediately made me think about Eric Gardner in 2014, who lost his life on camera, um, being choked by a member of the New York Police Department. And, you know, the questions that got raised by that footage going viral were questions about over each of the police. There were questions about, obviously, the right of a person to, you know, enter the underground economy without fearing the loss of their life. There were basic questions about Garner's humanity. And, you know, so much of what was not talked about during this really kind of polarizing period was, of course, the right of the Gardner family to basic privacy in terms of having their father or their husband um, on camera again and again and again, losing his life, right? And so we're in this moment where with smartphones, everyone literally has a kind of panopticon in their pocket. And we're forced to really consider whether or not this is a kind of progress for society insofar as we can keep track of any number of things by way of surveillance, or if we're losing track of some of the more basic questions about humanity and the extent to which we should be mindful of people's humanity in the way that we use this new technology. So perhaps what's happened is that the panopticon has been turned inside out. 
and we're all watching each other now. <laughs> we are yeah. all our own panopticon. <laughs> so we got back to what those 18th century uh, guidebooks wanted, Joanne. Yikes. We're all acting as if we're in public because we are. Although we're oh, not, <laughs> right? Because I think when we sit at home in front of our computers or play on our phones, we forget that people's eyes are upon us. You think you're sitting alone in a room and you assume you're not being watched. And actually, we should remember the panopticon and we should remember the fact that society's eye really is on us 